Hey everybody, this is the uh, inaugural test podcast for AFR. The concept behind this idea is to try to get some experts to come on and talk about firefighting or EMS. Um, stole this idea from the Travis County, Austin, Texas medical director. He just gets on there and talks about what he wants his medics and EMTs doing out there in the field. So we thought it'd be a good opportunity to talk about things like that and also incorporate firefighting aspects as well. Like I said, we want to get some experts on here and we are not those experts today. Um, at least I'm not. So my name's Andrew. Um, I've been in the department eight years and have been rescue lieutenant for two years. How about you, Jason? Uh, I'm Jason Fair. I'm currently assigned to engine number four. Um, I've been in the department 11 years been a promoted lieutenant for just over two years now. And I'm Eric Knight, lieutenant on engine 19. Uh, I've been in 17 years and been a promoted lieutenant for four years at station 19. All right. <laughs> yeah, so the idea behind this podcast, everybody, is, you know, we'll have different topics each week. Uh, today, we're going to try to just focus on how our perspectives is changed you know going through the ranks starting at pipe man up through driver and now as lieutenant um, if anything has changed how you approach the job the stress you feel you know doing the job and i guess we'll start right with you jason uh what do you think how's your perspective changed as you've gone through the different ranks well i came in as a lateral i was at a paid department before this I had five years experience at the rank of a firefighter and as a promoted driver there. So coming back, going through another academy and starting over as a firefighter, I, I think I had a pretty good base to start from, a pretty good understanding of firefighting and kind of what goes along with that. What I didn't have the understanding of was the call volume coming from a department that didn't run the, the calls that we run here. So um, I think I was lucky enough that I, I had a good crew as it uh, engine 13 for most of my firefighting career uh, had a good crew there um, had a lieutenant that didn't micromanage which worked well with uh, how I like to work I, was, I got to work with a senior firefighter um, so that helped uh, I was a junior guy at 13s for five years before I finally promoted to driver so I knew it was time um, after having previous five years experience piping for five years uh, I was ready to promote um, I ended up promoting to the alarm room which for four years I was a big commitment too um, but I learned a lot and actually looking back I was lucky because I had that previous driving experience in another department so I had all my IFSAC certifications I've run equipment before as a over-the-road truck driver so kind of missing out on the big chunk of my driving career here at AFR I think I was lucky that I had previous experience not everybody might have that some of these guys take these support assignments and they actually end up losing kind of a whole chapter of their career not that they're not learning something else that's valuable that's gonna help them in their career but you know driving a truck is a pretty basic concept and I think it does help uh, when you go to that next level especially if you do promote and now being an engine officer um, I've probably had the best time I've had in my career um, I love piping, I love driving, um, but sitting in the seat that I'm sitting now, I think I've 
everything seems like it's kind of come together. My ex my previous experience, piping experience, driving experience, uh, my alarm room experience, it, it now seems like everything's kind of come together. So um, I don't know that my perspective has changed overall. I think my approach to this job is the same as it's always been. Um, but I think I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now more than any other point in my career. Did you ever have times when you're piping or driving that you, you wished you were in charge of that call? Did you ever have certain officers that you were kind of just eager to get in that position where you're the one leading that truck? Well, I said I'd, I had a good engine officer that would ask for feedback. So it wasn't, you know, he would make the decision and that was final, but he never hesitated to ask. You know, even some of his more junior guys or less experienced guys. So that was good. I never really wanted to be in his shoes, but I think that was a good example that he set. Um, I've worked for other officers that were much more particular, not that they were micromanagers, but they wanted things done a certain way. And I, I knew that that's not how I wanted to operate. So yeah, you, you take good and bad from both and kind of learn how, you know, when I ever got in that seat, how I would operate. But no, I don't think I was ever, you know, second guessing officers or I, I've had a very lucky career with the guys that I've gotten to work for that that's never really been an issue. Yeah, and you mentioned Kirtland, uh, when you talk about the low call volume, give us an example of of that call volume over there. <laughs> I think last year I talked to the chief over there. They ran 400 calls okay. on, on the year. Okay. We, we have trucks that are doing more than that in a month. So that's for the whole department. You're talking, you know, four full-time stations, four engine companies, a ladder, the airport side of things. So it was slow, but we did train a lot. That also, I, I talk about that kind of foundation coming in. We were, we were highly trained. We have, you know, there's guys coming over with IFSAC certs that some of our chiefs probably don't have. So we didn't have the call volume. We had a lot of training. And so I think that really helped coming over here, being able to, to, to actually do the call volume to kind of balance all that out. How about you, Eric? Uh, let's see. I started off piping over on engine three for about four years. And then decided to make the decision to jump to the next rank was driver. When I made driver, I was, I'm like, Jason, I got promoted to the alarm room initially, and I am, I don't know if I embraced it initially, but I did embrace it after a couple of months realizing like how important the alarm room is and <coughs> what experiences you have that you can bring to the field from the alarm room, because J as Jason knows, in the alarm room, there's there is a rank structure within the alarm room, but you didn't get a chance to use that rank structure because sometimes there's everyone's on a 911, and when you're trying to make a big decision, there's no one there to help you, and you had to make that decision on your own. It wasn't a physical decision out in the field, but you had to get trucks going and make sure they got to the scene to where the, the 911 was taking place, and sometimes that was, it was very challenging, especially the Royal Rescues. Those are really hard to dispatch because you had to figure out what arroyo were they in and what stations are going to go to that arroyo rescue call. So <clears throat> it helped out a lot <clears throat> being in the field because making those decisions and as a as a driver and now as a lieutenant, um, what it's like to make those hard decisions and, and fast decisions. 
Um, as a driver, when I made driver, I made driver. Well, I got input about the alarm room real quick, sorry, if it. you don't mind. I always thought it's funny, like in uh, paramedic school, they're always saying like, you know, oh, the dispatch is just a little piece of information. You don't really want to get too caught up in it. And I found almost the exact opposite is true. Like our guys at the alarm room are, they know what they're doing and they've been in the field, like you said. So when you get that dispatch, like, you pretty much know what you're getting into. I think they do a good job of uh, screening the calls and they dispatch it, even if they're kind of required to code it a certain way, you can hear the inflection of their voice or whatever it is that you know what you're getting into, if it's gonna be serious or not yeah, um, going on the call. Yeah, I say for the most part is the, the guys that are, that are in the alarm room, they, they're, no, I, I got promoted there in 2006. I know things have changed quite a bit, but it's still a 911 that comes in and what guys got to understand is, yeah, the information, you try to give the best information as you possibly can that you can gather. And then there are some calls that you don't get to talk to anybody. And some people need to realize that, that uh, when I was up there, a lot of the MVAs came through APD and they just told us we have an MVA at a certain cross street and that's all they told us. And they didn't see how severe or how minor it was. And sometimes it might be a rollover but with APD didn't give us that information, so sometimes we could only go off the information that APD gave us. And uh, your shootings and, and stabbings, your rural, uh, those calls for at the time I was in there, APD just said, hey, we have a shooting at an address, and that was all the information we were given. It could be to the foot or it could, who knows what. So, yeah, we try to do the best with the information that we're given. And sometimes that information may be rural bleak, and sometimes it's rural detailed. So yeah, the guys try their hardest to, to make that call uh, as easy as for us as possible. And so and I did the same thing. And <clears throat> hope that answers that question. And then when I made driver, what I learned from driving was uh, I, I got to know the city a lot better than what I thought I did. And you learn all the <clears throat> when I say tricks, like the different rows that get you through, the rows that don't get you through. There's a lot of dead ends that you didn't realize were dead ends until you go down that road and you're like, no, no, now I gotta turn around. And then positioning the truck for structure fires, MVAs, and uh, EMS calls. It may be a real severe EMS call and you don't wanna park right in front of, I learned not to park right in front of the, the house because what if rescue or AS has to transport right away and now I'm blocking the whole driveway because yeah. I parked the truck there. That's always a problem and even with uh, the rescue out there, uh, yeah. You know you got 5-5 five five pulling up, you know they're loading their gurney out of the back, so, you know, yeah, from my yeah. point of view is why are you going to take their spot, take just pull down the road a little bit. Yeah, and I think it, <clears throat> as a driver, all this is right through your head. Um, you know, we talked about MVA at placement and structural placement, but it's also critical on EMS calls on the engine placement because, you know, if it's a medical call, yeah, you want to get the engine out of the way. Or if it's something maybe technical, like something strange happened, and it does happen, that you may need equipment off the engine, now you don't want it that far away. So it, the driver has to take a lot of that into consideration, and I didn't realize that until you're in that position and how much placement of the engine alone um, that you had to take into consideration. And your officer does help you sometimes if maybe you make a bad placement, and it does happen, and you learn that um, as, you, as you drive, that sometimes you make a, not, a, not necessarily a poor decision, maybe you could've done a better job of placing the engine and then you just learn from that and you keep driving yeah. and uh, I always tell any uh, paramedic students I have coming through is 
you're gonna mess up and yeah. you learn from your mistakes. I mean, it's just over and over, um, whether it's, you know, driving the rescue and you check and make sure you got electrodes for a 12 lead, but you know, I didn't initially check for backup electrodes. So we'd run through a whole package of electrodes and then now <laughs> I'm out and I and didn't have out. the backup. So yeah. that just starts going into your uh, checks every morning of, you know, you messed up that one time and now you're gonna learn from it yeah. going forward. Yeah. So. Well, and I think like what Eric was saying too, all that stuff you don't think about when you're a firefighter, then you promote to driving. And I think that ranked more than any other, a good driver makes a job look easy because you don't see them looking at the map because yeah. they know their district. You don't see them checking out their truck, but everything's always there. And, or to just talk about placement, yeah, you know, placement. it's the stuff that you never think about when you're sitting in the back. Then all of a sudden, like he said, that's on you. And that kind of changes everything. But I think a good driver makes that job look very, very easy. And you don't realize how many things actually go into it. it and that yeah, makes a good uh, makes a rescue light rescue driver look good by following the engine. That's so, right. right. <laughs> See or those vice versa. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you know who to follow. And then what I also learned is a driver that helps the pipe when they're stretching line. And I didn't notice this until I was driving. Well, was a lot of times, you know, everyone is you know especially on a stretcher fire, you're trying to get all the line out. And I, I've noticed a lot of times I tell new drivers, hey, look in. The cross light to make sure all that was pulled out because there's typically 10 to 20 feet is still in the bed of the truck and so you know if you charge it it's going to come flinging out of that that cross light and hurt yourself or somebody else so i'd always look up before i charge the line and i'd pull out the last 10 feet and pay it out or i'd help the the pipe and pay out the hose so that way when we charge it we didn't have the least amount of kinks and all of a sudden it's just you make it easier for the pipe because you at first you you, you think you need a Put that truck in a pump and do all this stuff as fast as you can. And I realized that you can put the truck in pump and engage it and everything, and the pipeman might have started pulling the line off the truck at that point. And so you can really, you can actually slow down once you get into the scene. Make sure you put the truck in pump correctly, tank the pump, and then you're ready to go. And then help pay the hose, and you can charge the line. Um, it, you can do it way faster than the guys can get the line out of the truck and on the ground to yep. where they need it to go. So you can kind of slow, I learned to slow down that part of the job. And then when I promoted lieutenant, uh, I think through the experience of being a pieman, the alarm room and being a driver, um, definitely sets you up hopefully to be a good officer because um, all the things are going through your head, you know, and not that you, I, I, like Jason, I didn't want to be you know, a micromanager and I would never ask anybody to do anything that I didn't do or wanted to do or whatever. So, and it's still a learning, everything's a learning process for the most part. So, um, I just tried to use those attributes that I learned from driving and piping and being a dispatcher collectively as an officer and use that to, you know, to be a good officer and have a good baseline and make sure all that stuff was done. And if sometimes the driver doesn't park in the right spot and I'd have to say, hey, can you pull up a little bit further or can you block more traffic on the freeway? Cause you know, we know on the freeway things get, you guys cover the freeway and so do we. And it, and it gets sketchy out there and I'd rather have two lanes blocked versus yeah. one. Cause my ex, I'd rather have somebody go home versus somebody get clobbered by a car for yeah, but I think our department does a great lanes. job at that. We're yeah. not scared to block, lanes. block traffic at all. That's like, you know, the last thought on most people's minds. So hopefully that continues. Uh, yeah. I came when I was 18, I worked at a place in Ohio and I remember I dropped the, uh, 
the paramedic lieutenant off at a car wreck is like a 10 car pile up and then i drove like half a mile down the road just so i got out of everybody's <laughs> way and i came back and he's like where's all this stuff and he's oh, like yeah. it's in the truck <laughs> yeah half mile away yeah, you yeah, taking all the equipment with you he's like what are you doing so yeah. i was all worried of uh you know are these people going to be able to keep driving on the freeway and safety obviously is the main concern and yeah and, I don't go, and going back to the jam. yeah going back to the driver aspect you know things did have changed in the department you know when i first came in the engine carried all of that or didn't carry any extrication and the rescue carried also when we were going to an mva the priority at one point is the rescue's got to get further in than the engine because they're carrying everything you know some people may think oh the engine's still because of the fire uh danger but you know we have plenty of, of hose on the truck to get to somewhere but who wants to hump over you know a couple hundred pounds worth of extrication gear over to a uh, an nba where you need it so at that point and it changed now it shifted now everything's on the engine so now the rest of you guys got to take in consideration that hey if it's this is something where extrication is going to be needed the engine has priority of getting in there to get all the equipment there and priority of the rescue and where can we strategically place the rescue if we have to scoop and run once this patient comes out of the car so it, it that shift in where the equipment went on uh, changes the dynamics for both the rescue driver and the engine driver on how they're going to place their trucks on an NBA now and you have to take that in consideration and when you hear the tones off listen to it i'm gonna you know you know okay you're already giving a size up from that dispatch of what you're going to do where you're going to place the truck and, and just knowing your district and you know how to access freeways or uh, certain apartment complexes may have, I know a lot of apartment complexes had entrances off of another road, now they're blocked off and you can only get there from another road now because of whatever reasons, you know. But have you guys noticed that? You are mentioning just a MBA on the freeway and now your thought is to safety. Was that initially as a pipeman say, or as a pipeman are you just like, hey, this guy could be trapped in there, we need to get in and and check them out and now as an officer like you're like well you know have your, your vest on so people see you and then block traffic um so you mentioned that on mbas but also fires like have you noticed oh. that um, being able to have more situational awareness is it kind of helps out with safety of everybody else yeah i think as an officer jason and you can probably hit on this too you do have a more of a, a safety concern everyone should be thinking of their own safety but the officer Ultimately, you're looking over everyone's safety and the scene. And yeah, as a pipeman, I just wanted to rush in, pull the hose, and let's do this. And or on an extrication call, get the extrication equipment out. I didn't. I'm gonna say I didn't pay attention to uh, traffic, but you're more focused in on getting the equipment out the truck and start going. And it, like yeah, I said, your perspective of safety kind of changes as you go up the chain of command. And I think everyone has safety on their mind. But yeah, yeah, you have that broader perspective as you know on the nozzle going in a fire as a pipe in what was your i was ready to just put out fire and i didn't care what environment i was in i just wanted i wanted to feel the heat and i wanted to put out fire and uh sometimes the officer may throttle you down a little bit like hold on hold on are we in a situation that could get really bad and get someone burned or are we in a situation that we can get a hold of real quick and so as an officer you start taking you start feeling heat and everything, and then you start thinking of the structure and everything versus what the pipeline's thinking of, and you gotta take all that consideration. Yeah, being now. brand new, you just, you don't wanna mess up, right? So you don't wanna mess like, up, you wanna all right, I'm ready to go. And yeah. you, you're pretty like focused on only one task and not trying to embarrass yourself and, and 
kind of a safety is the last of your concern. If there's somebody else, you know, going that way, you're going to go that way. And uh, you, most of the time you're not going to think twice about if it's dangerous or not just because you're, yeah. you're new, you're scared. <laughs> well, and I think being as an officer, that, it, that comes into play. I'm much more aware now of, of just situations, whether it's on the freeway or a structure fire than I think I ever was. Um, or even we'll go to the medical club. We're not talking about the third tube up or down outs and stuff like that. You're more situated situation awareness because this you're looking at everything. Like you're looking at all the people that are interacting with you at the scene. You're like, is this gonna is this getting heightened or is it not? Are we okay? You know, you're looking for the safety on an EMS calls now yeah, too. Yeah, has PD searched this person? Yeah, does PD search yeah, person correctly? Unknown problem have they been searching yeah and that's most of what we do they're, they're yeah. mostly medical scenes and like you said it's almost like being on a fire where you're kind of standing back you know there's everyone's working and you kind of have that that situational yeah, awareness I, mean, I, I think all three of us have been in that situation where uh i mean a situation where uh say like a we'll go with a, a, a overdose and it's kind of a sketchy area that you're already in and you're kind of like looking around to make sure no one pops out of some room that you didn't you weren't you didn't know that they were there and that could um it's a safe not a safety issue it's just being aware situational awareness making sure that you're watching every little nook and cranny as this yeah. whole scene's going down because you never know who is going to pop out nowadays times have changed and you just got to be aware yeah i just saw in houston what two days ago things went south over there really quick and that, i don't know the whole whole scenario but it just shows you you got to be kind of on guard at almost all the time now and as a new rescue driver, my focus is, oh, this guy, you know, we got to, he's sat and low, looks like he's blue, we need to get him, you know, bag him up, get a satire, get a IV going, maybe give some Narcan. Um, that's my, you know, that's my focus. Yeah, you focus and, on the patient. Right, so you, you're narrowed in on the task, and then as you, um, you know, hopefully, and it seems like our department actually is pretty good with, there's so much experience that, I never felt like I was in danger, like going in no. as a new firefighter, like all our chiefs had, you know, so many fires under their belt that, you know, I felt comfortable that they're going to pull us out if we need to get pulled out. Yeah, so. I, for those guys that are promoted to whatever position you're in, where you're a brand new pipeman, driver, or officer, um, either someone on the truck is pretty senior they don't be the same rank as you but they can help you along sometimes because you've got to fall back on your driver and your firefighters to help you out sometimes in situations that you just maybe not quite be sure of and that's okay to fall back on someone that can give you some advice or someone's rolling out the rescue officer he's a senior guy and he can go hey you know Eric I've seen this before we got to do this as this and you may have not seen that as an officer before so it goes back and forth there's always you know, there should be a, more likely there's going to be a senior guy there to help uh, mitigate the situation that you're in. Well, so and that, uh, I actually watched a, a, a podcast on the senior guy oh. last <laughs> night, and, and they were talking about that. And being a brand, new, uh, a brand new promoted officer, you know, I finally encountered that where I was the most junior guy at the highest rank. Um, and, and it seems like every truck that I've worked on, guys understood that. There's still that senior guy that almost is kind of running the truck. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're kind of setting the, the pace and and not necessarily calling the shots because I think everyone's still very good about respecting the officer and their decision making. But to still fall back on that senior guy 
to be able to, to bounce something off of him. You know, the yeah. decision's still ultimately mine. Yeah, well, and, and, and it's I great if he's doing the right thing. Right. So I would have no problem, man, you're, you're doing awesome, but then it would get a little bit tricky if he does something that differs from how you think, and now you gotta figure out the time and place to voice up and kind of get them in line with what you're Which is for. the hardest part of being an officer is the personnel issues. It's not, yeah. like you were saying, guys are experienced and on scene, we do a very good job of mitigating whatever call we're on. It's, you know, you, you hear these stories that, uh, of guys that have run into problems being in charge and it's usually, it comes down to exactly what you just said. When people on scene don't necessarily see eye to eye or agree on the decision that's when when things happen you know and it's usually not something that affects the outcome of a patient or even a scene it's it's that me and you don't necessarily agree on something um i was driving for i was upgraded driving it was right before i got promoted and we had a working fire in district we were first on and i wanted to go uh set up in a different spot that the officer wanted me to and so he told me where he wanted to me to position and i questioned him once and he told me again where he wanted me to position, and I questioned him again, and uh, ended up, you know, listening to him. And we set the truck up and put out the fire. We were first due, and uh, as soon as we got back to the station, he called him into the office, and he said, "Listen, I respect what you say as my driver." He said, "And you get to ask me once." He's like, "I'll, I'll afford you that, but you don't get to ask me twice." So I, I've kind of, you know, that was I was still a firefighter upgrading to drive. And that's something that's kind of stuck with me all the way to this rank is, you know, you can question me once. That's fine. We, we, we can talk about it, but you don't get to question me twice, especially not on scene. Yeah. If you want to talk about it later, we'll talk about it. And so it's kind of that same thing, you know, that everyone should have some input, but that officer is ultimately the one making the call. And that's, you know, that's the call that we're going to go with, whether you agree with it or not, whether you're the senior guy or not, you know, I still respect your, your seniority and your experience, but you know, I, I'm the one that's going to make that call. It's yeah. funny that you mentioned that because I look back uh, on my career, kind of like the arrogance, you know, as say a driver. I had a great officer at 16s um, on the rescue, and you know, she pretty much did everything by the book, the exact right way. And at the time, like I thought that I was, you know, super important and like really contributing a lot to that to that rescue and uh, then I started upgrading to a rescue lieutenant and you don't know that you're not a good driver until you have some really good drivers that are working for you and there's quite a few in the department so um, that's kind of a weird place to be it's like you don't you know maybe when you're a pipeman you can see what the rescue driver is doing um, but once you start working in that position, you're not working with any other rescue drivers. And uh, right now there's not, it's mostly just kind of on the job training. So, you know, um, you learn a lot once you start upgrading, you'll see the way different people do it uh, on the rescue. And you're like, man, I, I really could have been a lot better at what I was doing. And at the time, you know, I would kind of give this officer a little bit more of a hard time than, than I should have and looking back you know she tried to help kind of like groom me in the right direction and it's funny now that I'm almost uh pretty much run things uh the exact way that she did so right well I said you could look that back at any rank you know whether you're driving and looking at the guy sitting in the back and you think man I 
I was not as good as I thought I was yeah. or man, I did things <laughs> the wrong way, you know, more than I thought. And then same yeah. thing, you know, I said, I have a good driver right now who makes me realize like, man, he, like I said earlier, he makes it look easy. And uh, you take that stuff for granted until you're sitting in that next seat. You know, it's stuff that you don't necessarily think about until it's time to time to make the move. Yeah, and in my whole career, I held the drive rank the longest and um, I think I was driving at the time for, you know, give or take, five to six years already. And this drive for a long time on an engine. And we were sent out to, and this goes back to placement, we were sent out to a tractor trailer that was on fire, fully involved out on I-40. And I thought, hands down, I placed the truck correctly, blocked off traffic, you know, not too close to the fire, we'll be able to handle this. And the officer at the time, a very senior officer, turned at me and said, hey, you need to bag up the truck now or it's gonna burn down. And because the side that I was on, I didn't feel any heat the side that he was on, he could feel it through the window. And sure enough, you know, if I had left it where I had parked it, we probably would have lo not lost it, we would have damaged the engine quite a bit. So I had to back it up quite a bit and realized, hey, and that's because you've been driving for, you know, or piping or driving or being an officer for so long, sometimes you're bound to still make, you know, slight mistakes, you know, and it's okay to have someone say, hey, you know, we're a little too close or whatever the case is, you know, it's okay to, for guys at lower ranks to say, hey, you know, um, we're in a bad situation, I think. And I always tell my guys, I don't know how you guys are, but I always tell the guys, all the way down to rookies, if you feel, if you see something that you think might be dangerous, bring it up, because if you don't bring it up, and something bad happens, that's not good. So it's okay to bring up something of concern and then have guys look at it and go, okay, yeah, it's okay, it's not noted, or it's not that bad, or vice versa, yeah, thank you for pointing that out, because that's bad, maybe we shouldn't be in this situation, whether it be an EMS call or a fire call, so. And how do you guys deal with the, you know, the unexperienced situations where you haven't done this yet, um, but you know it's a possibility you know for me it's coming down to all the protocols like the only way that I can try to stay on top of my game as a paramedic is just to read the protocol and and you know do like a mental rehearsal almost of if we get this patient this is how I'm going to treat it so one of the ways that I try to stay proactive is to just read the protocols and now I'm in the situation where I've been upgrading on suppression side I've got really little experience on the suppression side, so if I have to upgrade on the ladder, the only thing I know to do is to just go through our SOGs and read about it, try to talk to people about it, you know, what yeah. should I do in this situation? But how do you approach, um, you know, does that even apply to you or have you been doing suppression so long that it's kind of second nature? I would almost say it's second nature, but there's still, we all know that there's always a call that you haven't encountered. You may have thought about it, and there's not even an SOG for it, because we can't SOG every scenario out there, and we know that. So you, you, you try to gather, or you try to pull from everything that you've been to for that situation, and then you decide whether you need more resources, or I always tell guys, a good resource, because you can't train for everything, and you can't figure it all out. YouTube is phenomenal for, you could type in, a scenario and you're probably gonna find someone that talks about it and at least gives you an idea of like okay I, I 
none of us have experienced this, but I saw it on YouTube. I use it as a great resource for, for training the things that we just don't find, or we just are not gonna encounter maybe once in a lifetime, once in a career, almost like once in a career. And it's gonna happen. You're gonna, everyone will reach a call where, we had one, I personally experienced a call that I, that I never would experience was, we had a roller on the highest flyover section of the big eye that involved 90 cattle. Oh, right. And did you hear on the dispatch, and the Amy's head was on fire. They got yeah. it. it. was not on fire when we got there, but Sticks. it was on its side, and half is hanging off the bridge, and it does have 90 head of cattle, and they're all smashing each other, and you hear them. You didn't go to the cattle SOG? There's, there's no cattle <laughs> SOG, so what I did was my first thing that popped in my head was um, the pipe that I usually pipe with. I won't say his name offhand, but um, he's... Ex I, I wouldn't say he's experienced with livestock, but he's dealt with livestock. And he was off duty, but I called him at like 4.30 in the morning. And I was like, hey, uh, we have a cow truck rolled over with 90 head of cattle. And you can hear him screaming and smashing and kicking the metal. And it's just ongoing. And he said, call the uh, livestock officers, which I knew of them. I just didn't know. It didn't pop in my head to call them. And with your smartphones, you can figure it out. We call them, and that was, you know, that was something that I would never thought I would encounter, and you do, and you just have to start thinking, and think, 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 and then call someone that you think, I land upon someone that, if it wasn't for that, I'm gonna say it wasn't for that phone call, but that phone call totally changed how we ran that call, and, and that, that to also a, kind a of good goes outcome. Back, yeah, almost goes back to relying on that senior guy, not yeah. to, not to make the decision or, or what determine what the final outcome is, but know you know the resources that are on your truck, and sometimes, like I said, it's that guy that's that's seen it before. Maybe if, if even if only once, you know. Yeah. Now now you're that guy that if somebody else gets a, a cow truck <laughs> rolled over on the yeah. big guy, and there's nothing wrong with uh, having to make that decision. You know, like don't be so insecure, right? In yeah, yourself insecure. that you can't say what do you think we should do. You you know all about this. You yeah. Know, so. It's not threatening to your position. Everybody knows you're in charge, so right, yeah. you know don't don't be insecure. Yeah, it's okay to to humble yourself and go, hey, I need to find someone, whatever that rank is or whatever position is or whatever, to help you. Hey, we're in a situation where I've never seen it before. What do you think? And if I hadn't made that phone call, not that it would have changed. I don't know if it completely changed the outcome, but I brought resources in that. Work, livestock officers, that's all they do. That's their job. They work with livestock all day long and they had resources to where to locate these cow ones we were getting them out and the ones that had deceased, what to do with them. I mean, they handled their resources, helped us make that call go really smooth. You know, it was, I mean, it was a big mess and probably never see it ever again. But uh, everyone has heard about it, so hopefully they can drop from that if it ever does happen again. Yeah. You know? um, I was thinking one more thing we talk about before we wrap this up is just have you guys felt a different in like the stress levels you feel going to work um i have personally like going in as a as a pipe man and then a driver you know whatever we got we get a rollover i'm like yeah sweet maybe i can get a crike or maybe i can do io um you know kind of exciting just trying to build on my experience level because i know again back when um I was just a driver. I knew I had the officer taking all the responsibility. If I did anything wrong, you know, it would have been her job to correct me before I did it wrong. So 
now that you're in that position, you know, you've got that total responsibility of the scene, of the outcome. And uh, most of the time when I'm at work, going on the calls, it's nothing that I, I don't feel like I can handle, but it's thinking about the unknown of like, hey, what if this happened and we have a bus full of 30 kids, you know, and some crazy wreck on the freeway. Thinking about that before going into work sometimes stresses me out a little bit of having that responsibility um, on you. Well, and I think that that comes with rank, you know, like you said, piping was kind of kind of carefree and and gung-ho and they said man you get to the truck you do some house duties uh and and that's pretty much you know as far as it went and then you get to driving and and now all of a sudden you know you you're looking after that truck and not only are you looking after the truck and you know which is a half million to million and a half dollar piece of equipment you're also looking out for everybody that's on that truck then you promote to the next rank you know as a company officer and now you know you're responsible for all of it the truck the people in it the decisions that are made and then not only that but i think the only thing that kind of does stress me out is as far as that goes is documentation of stuff especially on ems scenes um fire scene man i love getting on scene and taking command and giving a size up and all that and you know it sometimes going back and i pull all the audio there's been a couple fires where i pause you know (laughs) where it kind of like what am I going to do next? You know, you kind of go back to training. What, what do I need? What do I see? What am I going to do? Um, so no, the fire side of it doesn't stress me out, I think, as much as the as the medical side. Because now not only are you in charge of, you know, essentially patient care, especially when a, a rescue's not on scene, you also got to make sure that you document it in a way that you know not to say that we're on the defense but we kind of are you know um so i'm kind of waiting i've heard the stories you know where the the car gets pulled or you end up in court and all that other stuff so that's the part of it when you're sitting down writing the report you know am i writing too much am i not writing enough um you know is that who did that you know just making sure that everything's documented in a way and if anybody's listening you know going back five years before you promoted what do you have any advice like for me i would just have you know again taking that officer's offer you know she was like hey you want to take a call you know write the report i was like nope not at all (laughs) and then it wasn't until i you know went through the lieutenant cert and then i started upgrading and now it's just like now you're doing now you're doing it all at once and you could have kind of eased into it by doing doing a report like one report a cycle you get comfortable with the software you know you figure out that all right i can i can do this a little bit but i I didn't want anything to do with that until i went through that that was the same way um as a driver I don't think it was even offered if I wanted to do the report. I figured I'll do the report when I make officer. I'll figure it out then. And I, I think I'm all, we're all on board with the same thing. I think for me, the most stressor is documenta- documenting, documentation of everything. And uh, are you doing too little? Or are you doing too much? Or are you doing, do you do just enough? There's, it, it stresses you out really bad. And I think that's my art. My biggest stressor is, is just keeping up on top of it too. Cause you know, now we're held to, you know, um, a time constraint now. And they want it done in a certain amount of time, which is a real short period of time where 10 years ago, uh, you could do it almost like two weeks later if you wanted to. And, and that's changed. <coughs> and documenting call, the, the ones that stress me are 
really not your severe calls because those are actually easy to document pretty much i mean it's i think it's pretty cut and dry a code blue is cut and dry i mean i don't as it i usually document it for the rescue officer it's easy that is an easy thing to document the ones that are hard to document are the the fall at walmart someone slipped on a, some clothing on the ground and you're like you know this could get pulled or it could get looked at and all of a sudden that stresses that those calls stress me out more than anything else you know i think the tr like the severe traumas and those are really easy to document i think but overall uh, the documentation of ems calls by far stresses me out the worst mm -hmm. yeah for me on the paramedic side if you know if you try and you know take your job seriously and do what you're supposed to do on the scene like I don't ever feel guilty you know even if they end up dying if I did what I was supposed to do like that's there's no PTSD from that that's like you did your job you're good to go so I would say to try to reduce stress is just try to be like well prepared when you go into work you're not going to be perfect at everything but you can you can train you know you can get ready for that call before you go on it with a fire or EMS so if you're training staying ready um, and if you have a call go bad you're really not going to feel that bad about it you're like well you know I've been training for the last month on suppression stuff I've got nothing to feel guilty about so um, when, when you're talking about stress maybe for a for a bad outcome that's the way I see it is if you know you're you're doing everything you're supposed to do you can honestly look back and say hey I did what I was supposed to do on that call um, I wish they would have called us earlier well and that's yeah. like you've worked with me long enough to know I think that's one thing as an officer I really really focus on is making sure that the truck and all the equipment are ready all the time and that we're prepared for basically whatever we get called out to. You know, we train a lot and we work on the truck a lot. And those are the two things I think that we can control that that's up to us. Right. The rest of it we can't control. And we if can't you want control. to see how you look, you gotta have that chrome so you can you gotta, look you gotta, like a mirror pretty much. <laughs> it's gotta be polished. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the one thing, you know, like to, to manage stress like you just said, that's how I manage it on that side to make sure that we're, we're trained and that that truck's ready to go. And they said that that kind of eliminates a lot of the, well, I sure wish we would have checked that out or man, I wish we would have trained on that, you know, two weeks ago instead of now that it's in front of us. So. Um, that'd be my only rec recommendation to anybody, whether you're piping, driving, or crewing a crewing a truck, is to train. You know, it's it's the one thing that we can control. Make sure that everyone's doing their job, and when everyone does their job, it makes our job as an officer much much easier. Eric, yeah. you got any last uh, comments before we wrap it up? I think uh, just. You know, as an officer perspective now, not trying to bear the burden of everything. Um, it's okay, you know, when you're at a station with a, the rescue and you're having a problem, you know, going back to documentation on an EMS call, ask the, the rescue officer to help, not maybe write your report, but ask you, am I, does this look right to you or what do you think, you know, add, add change, delete. And that helps out too. I started asking a lot of questions and, and that helps out release some of the stress when you're documenting a report. Um, I think just ask questions and as an officer it doesn't mean just humble yourself it's okay to ask a pipeman like what do you think or can you help me out with this it's okay to ask for help and I think that'll include myself it'll probably alleviate a lot of the stress and so it's okay to ask for help you don't have to do everything on yourself so ask for help it's okay 
All right, guys. Well, I think we'll wrap it up uh, going forward. Some ideas we had about future episodes, maybe uh, getting a real experienced ladder officer on here. Because um, again, ladder ops are pretty infrequent, but you know, for, you know, for me as a rescue lieutenant, if I have to get on that truck, what do I, what's the main things that I need to, to focus on and how can I prepare myself better? Um, what other topics are you guys looking for? Oh, I, I think we go on and on on the suppression side um, with all kinds of different stuff, but almost like in the station, we, we train all the time on suppression stuff, but uh, probably trying to focus on some of the, just like you said, infrequent EMS scenarios. So, you know, whether it's seven, eight, whether it's uh, maybe somebody on the rescue that's experienced a, a kind of unique call, you know, it, I mean, we can go anywhere with this. Yeah, and as mass long casualty. As, right. Yeah. Some of, the, some of the things that squad two has seen from MCIs to extended yeah, extrications. Um, I think we have a lot of good resources that have been relatively untapped up to this point, you know, so this might be a very good medium to, to get people together, to exchange ideas thoughts discuss things and you know i think this this has potential to to be very helpful yeah and the, and the support groups when i say support groups the support divisions arson where they get them on here and, and hear what they're looking for you know we always get it but you'll give them a whole you know maybe hour two hours of actually talking of what they're looking for uh fmo what they're what they do and what we see that maybe need to report FMO. There's a lot of things I'm like, well, should I tell FMO about this or not? I don't know. So FMO um, and the, all the support divisions, the alarm division, uh, the training division, all those guys. And even from our higher ups, you know, from the deputy chiefs and their perspective of the department and what they'd like to see and, and we can improve on and stuff like that to further improve the department as a whole. Even, uh, even some of the, the union uh, executive board you know, to talk about from, from personnel uh, issues, Garrity rights, grievance processes. I mean, we could go anywhere with this. Yeah. I think it's pretty much as long as we can get people willing to sit down and, and speak, we could, uh, we could cover any base. All right, everybody, if you have an idea, uh, something, you know, this sparked a, a interest in you and you have a topic you want to cover, just email uh, Captain Perea up at the academy. She's kind of going to be heading this up right now. So send her an email, what you want to talk about, or we might be uh, out there seeking your, your opinion in the future. So thanks for listening and talk to you soon.